the Evolved Succeed podcast where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Since the formation of Evolve in 2018, one of our fundamental offerings and services has been that of peer groups, bringing like-minded business leaders together to share their ideas and experiences. This has expanded further in 2020 and into 2021, as Evolve has been successful in tendering for the Peer Networks Programme, a government-funded initiative aimed at stimulating the growth of SMEs in response to COVID-19. Since being awarded the tender, Evolve has been delivering virtual groups monthly, supporting over 90 business leaders across the South Coast. These sessions have been truly beneficial in bringing like-minded people together, not only to exchange ideas, but for them to share and relate to each other's challenges, but also supporting each other both on a professional and personal level. As a result, I thought it would be good to have a discussion with three individuals who have been fundamentally involved in the peer networking program in Dorset. Finn Morgan, Business Engagement and Dorset Gateway Manager for the Dorset Local Enterprise Partnership. Ian Girling, Chief Executive of Dorset Chamber. And Mark Bailey-Smith, Managing Director of Circle Leadership, a business advisory and skills development company based in the north of England. Amongst other things in this podcast, Mark talks about the unexpected benefits of delivering the peer groups over Zoom. The virtual delivery has added many more benefits than it has taken anything away from it. I think because it is that leveller, you know, I really like that word because that leveller is there that people aren't comparing their boardrooms or who's got the nicest car in the car park. You know, everybody comes into that as an equal. Ian muses on the collaborative effects of the peer networking programme. We've brought people together that would never have met each other before. We know we'll we'll have our kind of own individual networks, don't we? We've actually brought people together from completely different industries, completely different ways of life that have never met and actually have really, you know, formed some strong kind of business friendships. And we hear Finn's hopes for the future of Dorset business. It just sort of leaves you with a really good feeling about Dorset for the future and the business community and as you say sort of the what next the bounce back and it really fills me with sort of a, a great sense of pride but also optimism about you know some of those big opportunities and challenges that, that we will face in the coming years. If you want to learn more about Evolve and the services that we do offer then please do go to evolvemembers.com but for now let's get on with the show. Welcome, Ian, Finn, and Mark. God, first time I've had three guests on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Uh, so welcome all three of you to the podcast. Uh, we're here today to talk about the Peer Networks program uh, that we've been all involved in in some way, shape, or form. So I thought we'd just kick off, really, with an open discussion and that question around, you know, what do we see as the benefits of peer networks, peer-to-peer groups for members of those kind of groups and organisations? Uh, Mark, I know you've got lots of experience in running peer groups, so maybe a good question to ask you first. Thank you, Warren. Yeah, for me, it's it's quite simply summed up by saying 
10 heads really are better than one. And I'll give that a bit of, of background is, um, a lot of my prior work was, was in large corporate organizations where structure, training, support and accountability was, was there in abundance. And for me, you know, the real hidden champions of our economy, the SME businesses and their leaders rarely have that support structure. They may not have a sounding board for ideas or inspiration. They like the challenge of an oversight of an advisory board. And yet they're still the ones, particularly in this day and age, who are supposed to have all the answers. And I think that the Peer Networks program gives our leaders and their teams that power of many to get new ideas outside of their normal field of vision. The knowledge that they're not alone, mm. as well as the accountability to deliver real tangible actions and, and results. And I, in all honesty, I struggle to think of another program that has this breadth and depth of real support for our SME business community. Brilliant. Thank you, Mark. Ian, as you know, as as the chamber as a delivery partner, what have you seen the benefits of peer networking to be? Well, it's been an absolutely fantastic program. The feedback we've had from the business community has been nothing short of inspiring and this is really serious this program has been changing the way that people work and just making a huge impact on their business lives and the impact that you know the feedback we've had has been absolutely tremendous i just want to kind of pick up on one of the points that mark made about the you know the business leaders being alone one of the things that we do find i'm sure you see this warren in your business and mark within yours that business leaders can often feel very isolated they carry a very heavy burden in terms of decision making and actually to bring people together and like minded, you know, like minded people together in that environment where they can share. And obviously we can talk perhaps a little bit about the ethics of, of how groups work. But that that point about bringing people together and hmm. making business leaders feel less isolated and they're not completely alone. I think that's a really important, you know, important part of the program, particularly given the climate that we've been going through over the last 12 months. Yeah, Ian, I think that's a really valid point. And, you know, I think it's one of the mantras I've had even back in the Inspire days running the conferences is, you know, the power and putting like-minded people together and great things can happen. And that's definitely something that's happening through this peer networks program. And I suppose that whole feeling like it's a lonely at the top. I mean, you know, that's what I hear time and time again. And I think um, until people participate in these groups, I don't think they see that tangible benefit of actually they might be in a completely different industry, different vertical, have a completely different size business, but their issues and their concerns and their problems and their challenges are the same. And actually they then see, actually it's not so lonely because I think as Mark, you said, I've got 10 other people in this room that actually are in a similar place to me and I can learn and share from each other. I suppose the key thing is, how do you get, and it comes back to what Ian was saying about ethics, the honest conversations happening in the room. Has anybody got any thoughts on that? If I go to Mark first, and then I think, Ian, you'll probably have some things to say. Yeah, I, I think the most important thing initially is to build that feeling of trust. You know, what's very, very strong from us at the outset with the participant charter is that it is a safe environment. It's a group of non-competing businesses so they don't feel they need to hide anything that the accountability and, and the trust is built up from day one and you know it is quite surprising to see these business leaders who aren't being held accountable suddenly having to to answer to their peers and it can be quite a, an equalizer you know 
no matter what your your background are, what what level you are in the business or how long you've been trading, you find very quickly that the group performs as one. There is no hierarchy. The trust is there. The openness is there. And after a couple of of hours, you know, I would say within the first session, that trust is 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 palatable, and you see the openness of people within a very short time is is phenomenal, mm. and they do it because they they can share. They don't feel alone. They feel the power of of the support, and they see a real, real results at the end of it. Brilliant, Mark. Ian, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, when we were putting our proposal together to the bid. Seems a long time ago, doesn't it? But it wasn't that long ago. It was only six months ago or so. But when we were putting those proposals together, we were, you know, I was very clear in my mind that it was really important to set the ethics or to set the standards by which we expect the groups to operate. You know, and the things we were looking at, as Mark said, there needs to be openness. There needs to be transparency, no hierarchy, as as has been said. I think a really important point is Peer Networks is not a sales platform. It is not there for business to sell to other businesses. Of course, it's there to people are there to form relationships, but that's very different from a business development sales type relationship. The confidentiality is obviously critical. If people are going to share and really talk about the real issues that are facing their business, there must be that trust and confidentiality within the within the room. And, you know, the facilitator plays a really important part in setting those standards, setting the tone of the meeting, reminding people of, you know, these are the ethics that are so important to this program and and making sure that that carries on, you know, all the way, all the way through. And the facilitator plays a really important part in that program. Sometimes, you know, you will hear feedback where one person perhaps is is slightly more dominant than others and, and, and can, you know, dominate the conversation and other people can be intimidated by that and that's where the facilitators come come in and really make sure that everyone in as as mark said everyone in that group is a, is a complete equal but those standards of delivery or of conduct of people's behavior is so important in in peer networks definitely it's that respect for each other isn't it and and then that confidentiality piece i'd also it would be worth just touching on because you know the peer networks isn't the only kind of peer group kind of programs out there and, and there's other things but and some people say, well, I've got a friend I meet down the pub and they're my accountability partner. And that clearly does does work. Just wondering whether it's worth us touching on, you know, if that's the way you're going to get accountability is through those more one to one relationships. How can people get benefit from that and put some structure in that, do you think, that might help them? Because, you know, being part of a peer group is something, but I'm a b- big believer in Business owners do need to have accountability partners. Comes back to that bit about lonely at the top. So anybody got any thoughts on, you know, somebody's listening to this and perhaps they're not part of the program. They wouldn't want to commit to that, but they do want to set up some form of accountability relationship. Any hints and tips on what they should do, Mark? Yeah, I, I would say to to make that decision and, and to take on board a, a, a trusted sparring partner or a, a mentor or a coach would be, Brilliant. You know, that's exactly the right decision to take. I would caveat slightly to say that you need to make sure that you're choosing that partner for the right reason. It has to be somebody that you have absolute trust with and that somebody that you actually expect them to challenge you. You know, it, it, it cannot be just that coffee chat. It can't just be the, the the fun side of things. There's got to be an expectation that there will be that accountability, there will be the deliverables, that you you will be challenged. 
And I think that's very, very important. And the only thing that would concern me on that, and, you know, we're all blokes on this on this podcast today, is that one of our inherent failures is actually going out there and asking for help. We don't do it enough because of the, the pride aspect. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the past where we would meet people in the pub or playing tennis or, or on the golf course, whatever, you know, we, we don't often be as open with the real issues because we don't want to either look stupid or we don't want to to, to look like we're not keeping up with, with the Joneses. You know, it, it's mm. that sort of thing we don't share. And you need to find something that's separate from that, that is that trusted, real environment. And those yeah. things are, or in my in my past experience, they tend to be a different person. Yeah, that's great. It's good feedback, Mark. Ian? I think this program has also been much more about than developing the business skills of those people sat around the table. We know that the well-being agenda has been very high profile over the last 12 months as business leaders have faced very, and employees have faced some very, very difficult times and some very difficult decisions have, have had to be made, which sit very heavily with business leaders. And the feedback that I've seen coming through some of the groups is actually the support that's been there on a kind of business friendship basis has been absolutely vital this isn't just about learning how to put a better cash flow forecast together or put a better marketing plan together or improve your cybersecurity. it's really been about that kind of trust and that there's business friendships is a word that i really like and actually people have not been alone and i think this peer group program could not have happened at a better time for the businesses going through and that kind of friendship support side of it is equally as important as the learning that takes place as well yeah Perfect, Ian. Finn, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I was just sort of picking up on the point, I think that, um, you know, I think Mark touched upon and Ian sort of elaborated, but I think, you know, this is uh, a national programme. It was it was interesting, really, because, you know, we, we first sort of got told about Peer Networks being a funded programme through the government back in sort of, you know, over a year ago. So it was all pre-COVID anyway, and, you know, sort of materialised out of the productivity uh, review, you know, that the government had undertaken. So it was all sort of set in motion. And, um, you know, I know people like Mark know the sort of the, the history of it. But um, it, it was sort of interesting, really, that as COVID came along, you know, there was a, a sort of a degree of uh, apprehension, I suppose, that we think, you know, is this the right time? You know, our business is going to want to, you know, take this on. Is this the kind of support that's going to be really critical at a time when, like Ian said, you know, I suppose, Lots of people looking at grants, at funding, you know, what what does this mean for my business? Um, so there was a sort of a degree of apprehension, I think, from our part, thinking how, you know, what's the appetite going to be like for this across Dorset? And, you know, we know people like yourself run this very successfully anyway. So, you know, as as it sort of approached, you know, thought, you know, is it going to be just the wrong time to launch this? Is it going to sort of miss the mark, you know, appreciating that it was a really valued type of support? So I think... Interesting, like Ian said, you know, when you read the feedback and the comments that people are making, it's very much about the sort of the comfort that people have found in those environments and the trust that they've developed quite quickly. And, you know, Mark and I were talking about this before we came on the call. It's just that you kind of will feel that, you know, Mark was saying you're going to feel that you're going to miss these guys when when the groups end because it's a tight group. You know, it's that sort of blitz mentality or wartime mentality where people really sort of bunker down and think, you know, well, you know, I need to sort of almost strange times, almost more open than you would otherwise be because you feel, you know, 
not I wouldn't say sort of a degree of desperation, perhaps, you know, you just think I need to try something, I need to find a different angle. So, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, like I say, the, from a point where we thought this might be a struggle, and I've certainly spoken to colleagues across the country where this has been a real difficult program uh, for a whole range of reasons. As the, the Local Enterprise Partnership, we're delighted it's been such a success, and we've been able to report that back up to government about what we've done. But I think it's that the the nature of the feedback, as you say, it's sort of very raw, very authentic, and very heartfelt. And you know, clearly businesses have found this to be the perfect tonic for what has been an immensely difficult time. So, you know, delighted with you know the feedback and the way that it's been received, and and obviously everything as a program. So it's just just fantastic to see, really. Yeah, what's interesting, I think, it, and it has been great, and it, I think the timeliness of it and that support, because that point of loneliness as we kind of, most of the programmes started, you know, November time as we entered lockdown two, business owners were once again feeling isolated. I talk about, you know, with both Inspire and Evolve, the difficulty of managing a business from behind a laptop, you know, not actually being their heart and sleeve type of leader as I am, but, and actually feeling lonely and, and actually this kind of in program connects people together so that they can share those experiences and and that is great and but I think you're right in also in something you said I think be it you know Dorset Chamber be it Circle Leadership be it Evolve we've all combined that putting like-minded people together with a program of development you know both personal and business development and you know the our most popular session has been on resilience and building resilience with Becky Holston coming in as an outside speaker, you know, and, and that's, again, not something that you normally think business leaders would engage with, but that's the session we've had the best feedback from. And it's the session where people have really gone away and said, that's made a difference. That's made a real difference to my life and the way in, when I, in which I run a business. So I think it's that uniqueness we've all brought to it, bringing those other development tools and skills and tool sets into the program that's helped. Mark, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's something that when most people come into the program or when the program was being offered to businesses is that was one side that wasn't promoted or wasn't sort of as, as the key theme, that real raw emotional support. And you know, I, I've got a, a comment that's ringing my ears from a, a, a session with one of the, the Dorset groups last week is that one of the participants said on the emotional side, because we were, we were just genuinely asking how's things going so far. And he said, yeah, the business is one thing, but on the emotional side, I don't ever ask myself how I am. I've never spent any time in not ever in 30 years of business in asking how I am. So for you to ask me this morning has been immensely important and it's a really positive experience. And he, he, he said the great thing for me. And I think that would, you know, the summary of, of, of this, the sessions for me is it's the only Zoom meeting I genuinely, genuinely look forward to every week. And I'm going to miss it. Now that to me says everything, doesn't it? It is really interesting, isn't it? That I think we were all nervous. I was definitely nervous that this was going to be a virtual program. And actually it's been delivered throughout the program virtually and the technology. Uh, has been a leveller nearly um, and I don't know if you've seen that and maybe we'll explore that in a minute but we've also seen people come off three hour zoom calls energised 
Now, anybody that usually spends 30 minutes on Zoom to come off energised is a real difficulty. But I don't know, any thoughts and kind of why the technology side of it's worked? Ian, maybe you've got some thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think this has been such a massive period of change for all of us and where kind of Zoom or video technology was seen as the, you know, well, not even a backup because most businesses just weren't (laughs) using it at all. You know, we certainly weren't. And now I look back and I think I, I just can't imagine why we weren't doing that you know and obviously when we put our proposals into the lep all of us would have been looking at delivering um you know via a digital platform and and kind of having those video video calls but i can remember saying to finn quite early in our program that even if we come out of lockdown in the new year and obviously we weren't there that i didn't think it was the right thing to do to flip back to to face to face because it has been working so well now I think video conferencing, you just used the point leveler, Warren, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really important, really important word. And I go to lots of meetings and they are actually better online than they are face to face. Everybody is equal. Everybody has a physically everyone looks quite equal. People mm-hmm. aren't fighting around where they sit. It's actually quite easy to control. It's easy, you know, in fact, you could actually turn someone's sound off there and then. Not that we'd be doing that on a group. Is that the Jackie but, Wilson stuff? You know, that, that power is there. But I also, you know, and we talk about kind of Zoom calls or video calls being draining. That's that's only really dependent on the content that's, go, that's going through there. Good and point. I think also, you know, the people that have been on our programs are very busy people. They're, they're very time short. And actually to be able to drop in to their meeting quite easily without having to leave their house, particularly early in the morning. You know, we're all trying to spend more time with our families as well, to spend time traveling in the car. A certain element, you know, there's a lot of chat before you would get going and so forth. And then at the end, quite often it's difficult to get away. So I think this has worked really well in terms of for time short people, giving them the kind of maximum time, if you like, during the meetings and for me, it's worked extremely well. And I think it'd be really interesting to ask our participants how they found that experience digitally or would they have preferred to meet face-to-face? Finn? Yeah, I think I'll sort of, uh, try and keep to the point. But yeah, it was, it's an interesting um, how successful it has been. As you said, I think you know everybody has suffered at some point sort of massively from Zoom fatigue or Teams fatigue or whatever. But I think the interesting part of this is that it's, like Ian said, it's, to coin, to coin a phrase that I'm sure will get mentioned in the, the budget next or in a couple of weeks' time is this levelling up thing. And I think the, you know, what it has done is it sort of created an opportunity, like Ian said, for those SME leaders that are typically time poor and, and the idea of, okay, sort of just maybe moving from one side of, I wouldn't even say Dorset, Dorset uh, can be difficult to move across, but just moving across sort of, you know, Bournemouth to Paul on a typical basis, you know, if you get caught in traffic and finding parkings you know you sort of almost arrive in a slightly frenetic tent state anyway and then like Ian said you've got the usual sort of things about sort of who you sit next to try and find someone or I recognize them from something so I mean it is interesting how it sort of removes a lot of that noise mm-hmm. and just like you say you know everybody enters at the same point you know generally you know I suppose the only competition about who's got the fastest connection but you know broadly speaking people are sort of all joining with the same technology you know everybody's in you know either lockdown or working from offices with reduced staff so it is interesting how everybody's sort of as you say sort of starting at a relatively similar point but then mm. you know that that sort of 
opportunity, I suppose, is to, you know, at some point for the, the legacy piece for those businesses to connect and meet up in person. Some people, you know, of course, know each other and they can reach out via LinkedIn and those sorts of things. But it does, it's, I think it just sort of changes the mindset. And, you know, like you say, people don't tend to sort of feel that they can't engage in conversation. You don't form cliques and those sorts of things. So I think it's, like Ian said, you know, early on there was that sort of like, well, you know, will it, should it be blended? Should it be part, you know, face-to-face, part digital? But as you said, as time's sort of gone on, I think it's proven out that, um, that the digital format, whether it's sort of just because of circumstances at the moment or otherwise, has really benefited a lot of people and helped a lot of people that might not engage, engage, I'd say. Absolutely. Mark, your thoughts? You must have experience of both, you know, delivering kind of peer groups and these sort of programs physically in the past. How does it compare to doing something virtually? It was one of the things, to be honest with me, that, that, that concerned me when we heard that we could only deliver virtually. Because in the past, we've been so used to getting those people in the room to, to, to have that trust. And it, it felt more more human. But I absolutely agree with all the comments that we've heard from both Ian and Finn is actually the virtual delivery has added many more benefits than it has taken anything away from it. I think because it is that leveler, you know, I really like that word because that leveler is there that people aren't comparing their boardrooms or who's got the nicest car in the car park. You know, everybody comes into that as an equal. And these are the little things that, you know, people often forget that human aspect. But coming back to something that's you know, why the peer network started initially pre-COVID was that SME leaders and SME businesses didn't have the productivity that we have in other countries. We're quite behind the time. So to actually use a, a tool and a platform that improves productivity, that demonstrates to people how easy it is to make that transformation to a digital world as an SME, it's never been front of mind. It's never been high priority. And people have now seen how easy it is. And the great feedback I've got for lots of the people who are participating is that they're doing this now with their team. Mm. And one of the biggest comments that I had a couple of weeks ago is that when we went into lockdown and we furloughed some of our staff, we didn't have any real contact because we didn't feel we had to have contact. And now with Zoom, actually giving a quick call, having checking in, seeing how people are, it's it's engaging the conversation and it's getting people back in the mindset to accelerate and grow, not to sit in the time that we are. So I, I think it's it's great. And, you know, honestly, cards on the table, my traditional face to face leadership labs, we're only delivering them online from now onwards. OK, so it's made a transition for your entire kind of delivery and business. Absolutely. Productivity, time and actually the, the power of the delivery. It, it's yeah, it's a no-brainer for us going forward. Yeah. We've promised our groups that we will get them together physically at some point. They want a social because actually they're <laughs> bonded so well. Uh, they want to get together in a more social environment and just, yeah, share stories and get to know each other in that kind of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds like a we, good one. <laughs> yeah. Any roll-on program by us will be done virtually because they're all loving it. What I'm really enjoying as well is seeing some of the techniques that we're using in our delivery of the peer groups. And when we do the one-to-one coaching sessions, they're taking those techniques and they're using them within their business on their Zoom calls within their companies and organisations and coming back with the benefits, which is great. Yeah. Ian, have you got anything else you would add? Yeah, I think one of the really interesting things about 
it's a couple of rude things really about video technology. We've all adapted so quickly. You know, before this happened a year ago, I don't think I'd ever made a Zoom call. It's ridiculous, really. And you think, why? But we just weren't working in this way. And, you know, to have a complete online networking event or something was like, oh, that's a, that's a bit brave. And I think we've adapted very, very quickly. But I also think that working this way has made us all a bit more human. You know, we sit here in our T-shirts. We don't wear a suit all the time. Again, it's that kind of leveler. We see our kids in the background, our dogs, our cats, and all this sort of thing. And, and you see, you know, people's houses and all that sort of thing. And actually, it's just made us all a bit more human. And it's, yeah. you know, a bit less corporate. And I think that's a really, I think that's a really good thing to come to come out of this. Yeah. And I think the legacy of COVID is going to be really strong in terms of the way that it changes work cultures and the way that we all work. I really, it's going to be a really interesting time, I think. It'll be really interesting to see productivity numbers, won't it, coming out the other side of this. You know, once the economy recovers and there's a kind of, you can compare a light for light quarter, what does productivity look like in the new world compared to what it did pre-COVID? It'll be a really interesting statistic uh, to see. Finn, I'm really interested from the NEP's perspective to get some thoughts on you know, the LEP uh, and other government organisations really do run some great kind of funded programmes. There's some grants out there, but they're not usually that well taken up by businesses. Whereas this programme, we've seen a good engagement, a good take up. What do you think is different about the Peer Networks programme to some of the other offerings? Uh, well, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of points have been mentioned about the benefits of this. And I know, you know, Mark, you and yourself, familiar with the model and the benefits that come from it. I think the difference in terms of, say, sort of the appetite for this one is sort of look at the, the three people that are on the call here, you know, apart from me, so the four of us, but you guys, you know, I think it comes down to some local success bits as well. I think, you know, like I say, in other, in other areas, you know, it's just been a bit patchy. The, the take-up hasn't been sort of great. So I think the thing, you know, from the LEP's perspective, you know, that really that really sort of gives us confidence, you know, if they run this next year, we feel that we could definitely, you know, we could do more. We could sort of work with a range of partners. When we put the tender out, there was a, a great deal of interest. We were able to speak to sort of people informally about, you know, we, we, we know people, Dorset is sort of often lamented for being quite compact and, and those sorts of things. But I really think with this type of programme, it worked well because, you know, the, people like yourself and like the Chamber, uh, and even Mark coming in from an external perspective, you know, you're able to plug into those networks, those businesses, you know, and, and sort of, as I say, sort of unpackaging or unpicking some of the, you know, the narrative around how this sort of got going. I remember Ian early doors sort of saying, look, I'm going to be picking up the phone to to members. I can have that conversation with them. And I know you did likewise, Warren, um, you know, being able to sort of speak to businesses that you can you know, engage with in those sort of senior business leaders locally, I think is the reason why it's been success. It's that approach ability, you know, or the fact that you can approach those people. So, you know, the, the, like you said, there's many programs to support, you know, but I think the fact that the, the passion and effort that's gone into the recruitment process by yourselves and, you know, so yourselves, all three partners, delivery partners has been what's you know, made it such a success. I think the fact that you value it, the fact that you can really do it justice in terms of, I would say selling, but, you know, really sort of speaking to those businesses and saying, look, this is, if you if you don't take up any support, but only take up one piece and it's this, 
you won't regret it. So I think, you know, that the, the crux of it, I think for us, and like I say, you know, when you, when you look at where other areas have struggled, you know, for a variety of factors, I think the, the real strength for us has been the collaboration between the delivery partners and the ability to reach such a high number and variety of business leaders. I think that's a really interesting point. And it was a point I wanted to discuss on this um, podcast, actually, Finn, is that piece around collaborative working? Because for me, it's one of the, one of the most enjoyable aspects of the whole project, how everybody's come together, public sector, private sector, the delivery partners, you know, the teams within our organisations have come together to work together and collaborate. And there's kind of a lot of talk and chatter out there, isn't it? It's probably part of that productivity agenda again around collaborative working. And I suppose I just wanted to, you know, aside from the Peer Networks programme to a certain degree, pose that question is what does collaborative working mean to all of you? And how can other organisations work better collaboratively? Anybody got any thoughts? Mark? Yeah, I think if I look at what Finn's just said, you know, that the, the peer networks here in, in, in Dorset is what we're talking about. And I'm sitting here as on paper an outsider from, from the north. But we as a team have come together with a common agenda, a common approach, a real desire to make a difference to the local business community. And we've done it. I'll use the leveler word again. We know we've just been level. We've been a group of people with that common approach to actually make something successful. There's been no competition. There's no us and them. We've actually been demonstrating what we're teaching and what we're helping these business leaders to understand that, that if you do bring people together, that you do collaborate and you do work towards a common goal, it's a lot better than doing it on your own. And as Finn alluded to, you know, other areas have not been as strong in that collaborative approach, I don't think. And I think that's where this LEP and this team have been extremely successful. And I think also that collaborative approach comes over with the people that are in our peer groups. They see it. You know, mm. they, they see that it, it, it's tangible and that makes a massive difference. And uh, I think that's also come through to the people who are on the peer groups. You know, they're, they're swapping WhatsApp messages with each other. They're joining LinkedIn groups. They're helping each other outside of those three hours that we're sitting together. And how often do you see that within six, nine hours of individuals who've never met before coming together? You know, it, it just doesn't happen. No, we've seen individuals get together, help each other, secure funding through sources. We've seen individuals rent common premises, you know, premises to each other. We've seen loads of that yeah. collaborative working, coming together with joint ventures. But yeah. I like that. I like what you say about making collaboration work is about having a joint agenda, a common kind of theme, a common goal is what it has yeah. to be all about. I like that. It's really, really um, take that away today, Mark. Uh, Ian, your thoughts on that? I think collaboration is the point that Mark made about having kind of shared values and a shared goal is is really important. And actually the people that you want to collaborate with are people that you want to, that you get on with. To be perfectly honest, you know, it's it's hard to work with people with different agendas that can be difficult to get on with. And I think where we've 
all put together our groups, I think we've achieved some really good winning combinations. And that, and that's why those relationships are so strong within within those groups. And I think another thing that we've experienced, you know, Finn was talking about how the collaboration has been so strong. I think the LEP's been really fair and good to work with. You know, and I speak to chambers in other parts of the country that are involved in peer networks. And it's, it, you know, it's not always been an easy ride. It's been bumpy at times. So, you know, I think that partnership work works both ways you know i think for us as suppliers i think the lep's been really good and uh you know to work with them very supportive of, of the program and i think that's that's a major component to it i think another really important part of the program peer networks is we've brought people together that would never have met each other before we know we'll, we'll have our kind of own individual networks don't we we've actually brought people together from completely different industries completely different ways of life that have never met and actually have really you know, form some strong kind of business friendships. And I think one of the other learning points that will come through is because we're going to be working digitally, we're not going to be so confined geographically. You know, there's an opportunity for us to be putting groups together that could be based all over the country or even international. And I think there's some really exciting opportunities because we're not having to drive to a particular place, to a particular venue. It, the whole geography issue just becomes almost irrelevant. So I think there's some really exciting opportunities ahead for us within the delivery of peer networks. Brilliant, Ian. Finn, any thoughts from you? Yeah, I'll just sort of, <clears throat> without sort of making it too schmaltzy or anything, uh, <laughs> but I think the, <laughs> you know, the, the thing from us, you know, has definitely been, like you say, I suppose it's thinking about what makes a good peer network group. And I think, you know, drawing a parallel with, with sort of you know yourselves and you know working collaboratively as we've done i think a lot of those uh sort of facets or traits that you would expect you know general rules of engagement as part of a, a peer network group you know in terms of trust openness uh fairness you know the willingness to sort of listen and, and sort of discuss i think those those aspects have been when we meet on a monthly basis or you know to pick up a phone or stuff they're kind of there for this as well which you know you know, you'd hope would be the case, you know, working, you know, sort of be professional and decent to people. But I guess those those types of um, relationships don't always happen. You know, when you're contracting services out, it can be sometimes difficult and awkward. But I think the fact that I think we can all have honest and open discussions where there's challenges, if there's sort of an issue. And I think that's really that's where it's felt really comfortable and easy for the LEP to work with the three partners that have been delivering this is because you know that that level of openness and trust has been there and also you know knowing kind of a, a bit about you guys anyway you know we know sort of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis it felt you know it's very easy to trust a program like this or, or sort of hand over a program like this to be delivered when you have ultimate confidence in the fact that the people delivering it will do a great job and, and the passion that you put into it like I say you know it's sort of particularly for, for Mark coming from Sort of as an, an outsider, you know, we knew about Mark. You know, it's easy to see what Circle do on a sort of day-to-day -day basis, and you know, the testimonials and those sorts of things, and the fact that Mark's was involved in sort of the pilot scheme. You know, there's that that degree of trust just makes it very easy to relax about certain projects. Whereas some <laughs> some projects, you wake up in a bit of a sort of a clammy sweat in the middle of the night, thinking, "Oh God, you know." How's that going? But with this one, it's felt <laughs> felt very easy. Um, and as I say, I always feel it slightly smug when I'm on sort of calls with colleagues from other growth hubs and LEPs as they're sort of pulling their hair out. You know, they're like, oh, what about you? You know, don't want to jinx myself, but it feels really good. Very, very easy. 
uh, for Dorset. So, um, you know, that that's really commendable, I think. Thank you, Finn. Thank you for the, on behalf of Mark, Ian and myself. Thank you for those very kind words. It's, I mean, it's been great, but I think part of it is I don't think it's felt unlike a very, I'm going to say the old traditional kind of competitive alpha male way of doing business. The way the whole tender was approached, the way in which you brought us together, I think the way in which we work, it's felt like a very engaged, modern way of working and and a really kind of transparent and supportive way of working. I know, you know, it's just thing, something I think businesses could do more of. And maybe it's something businesses will do more of now, given technology, given the fact that a lot of business owners are now having to talk more directly to one-to-one to support each other. Because, you know, programs, services, products, you know, construction sites, nothing's run smoothly in the last 12 months, has it? So there's been a bit more of that discussion and collaboration. I would hope one of the benefits that come out of this whole COVID pandemic situation is a more open way of doing business throughout the UK. But maybe I'm just a dreamer. (laughs) But I I suppose the question as we start to wrap up for Ian and um, Finn is... There is other grants out there. There's funding schemes. There's the gateway type access to other services. There's lots of other programs out there. And one of the things that's probably surprised me, and if I'm being really honest, and I should admit that, is that I didn't wasn't quite aware of all of the other services and support that was out there pre being engaged by the LEP to deliver this program. So we all learn, don't we? But maybe I'm just a typical SME business owner at heart. I mean. What could we do more as a business community to engage the sort of SME, the entrepreneurial business community with public services and public funding sources? I'd be really keen to hear the input from the two of you. Well, we deliver a service on behalf of the LEP called, well, we deliver part of a service on behalf of the LEP called the Gateway Service. And the gateway is, is based on the principles really of, of the business link service of, a few years ago. But basically the, the premise that there is a whole range of government support out there for businesses, but businesses quite often do not know where to go for that support. And it can be very difficult to navigate, time consuming and so forth. And therefore the take up of that support from businesses can be, you know, can be quite limited. So with the part of the gateway service that we deliver on behalf of the LEP, that provides a a very straightforward service that businesses can contact and talk about their issues, talk about their challenges, ask directly about the support that may be available, and we will help them navigate their way through that support and access that that help that is there. And quite often, this will be schemes and initiatives that people are not aware of at all in any way. The landscape changes quite often as well, so we've got we've got a team there that are keeping on top of of where things are within within business support. I think it's really important, though, with with government initiatives that they are right and they they are attractive to businesses. Some of the some of the schemes, you know, occasionally can be very bureaucratic to access. We've seen some grant programs historically where huge amount of information is required for maybe quite a, quite a small grant, and businesses need to take the support that's that's really right for them. But the gateway service is there to help businesses navigate their way through that public sector support and that approach has taken Warren as opposed to just hitting the marketplace with all these different schemes where people just say it's too much I just I just really don't understand what's yeah. out there I just need this support back on it to help my just business get back to the day job yeah, yeah that's right and business owners do not have time 
to waste time looking for stuff that's not right for their business that you know you know that as a business person yourself and you mark you need to access the port that's available find out what's there and use it basically so but there are several other aspects to the gateway that i'm sure finn will talk about as well yep I'll sort of apologise. I think I've got a really loud, creaky chair, so apologies. <laughs> I'm I thought you parked your chair over the dog's tail there. <laughs> the um, I mean, like Ian said, I mean, it is. I mean, it's certainly been an eye opener for me. I, I know that when I sort of joined uh, the LEP sort of a couple of years back, and it was, you know, the, the, the model seemed almost quite sim- simple. And you think, well, is it really? You know, is it just sort of talking to businesses and saying, you know, have this this type of support will signpost them here, there and everywhere. But like Ian said, I think when you, when you get into sort of, and I think sort of the last 12 months has really proven that, you know, with the, the team that Ian manages, you know, they've, they've been picking up some really difficult calls from businesses, quite complex ones. And at points, you know, certainly sort of early, late March, early April last year, we were speaking to uh, Tom and Susanna, who sort of, you know, were speaking on a day-to-day basis at the Gateway team with, with business owners and business leaders who, you know, I, I hope some of them, you know, if not a good number of them found their, their way onto the peer networks program. But, you know, one people that were in really dire straits, they didn't know where to turn. Like you say, when you're in that, you know, sort of really agitated state, it's like, well, what support do I need? I know I need help. You know, what, what support is there? So having somebody there to go and do that, particularly for an SME sort of business leader, just to sort of navigate a, a really complex landscape, I think is, you know, a really simple but valuable tool so i think it comes down to people knowing about the service and then getting that sort of very bespoke and fair sort of diagnostic with a, a business advisor so i think like ian said traditionally a lot of the sort of funding models and, and not their own fault you know that there are requirements attached to the funding that you know yet like ian said you know you have to fill out timesheets and signatures and you have to do typically 12 hours of engagement or something which for a business you're thinking well i could do that but i don't think i need 12 hours well i think i need probably you know a couple of hours of this and you know i think it comes down to the flexibilities to be able to offer value services as opposed to volume and sort of intervention so it's you know rather than sort of just totaling up hours just for the sake of it as you say if you can if somebody can do so what a peer networks 18 hours uh plus three and a half hours you know so you think the quality of what that individual gets but even just like mark said you know sort of a, a three-hour zoom call of a week and they really look forward to it and they get great support then you know if, if somebody can get the support they need in three hours great you know set them free you know they can go off and and then they can come back and you know then sort of naturally they don't feel apprehensive about coming back to they go oh god you know if i go and have that conversation again it's gonna be another you know 12 hours oh, i've got to do this i've got to jump through all these hoops so i think you know making support easy making it sort of designed around the business uh, around the you know the customer the service user and there's all things i'm sure you you would agree with uh, or sort of recognize you know don't make it difficult for people to get help i think is ultimately you wouldn't phone up any other support services and say yes you can have this critical help as long as you you know jump through these hoops and do that and rolly polies and all sorts of things so you know make it make it bespoke make it meaningful make it easy and then from our perspective i think like in sort of said you know there's a a number of other things that we offer i think a lot of it just comes down to us communicating that and finding the hooks into business so i think the peer networks program having this sort of the legacy of it and having a you know uh having many cohorts 16 cohorts of 10 10 to 12 business groups you know you think 
as a multiplier effect, you've got businesses who are really engaged in, in sort of wanting to grow and get support. So you think, okay, well, we can tailor our messages around the themes and the intelligence that we get from groups and the feedback. You know, the more we know about the businesses, the more we can say, okay, well, if you if we know you export, we can make sure you get information that's pertinent to to the export agenda. You know, rather than just sending them everything. It, uh, you know, I think sort of rather than drinking from a fire hose, it, it becomes more like sipping from a water fountain, which I think, uh, you know, which sounds sort of yeah, very like a Chinese proverb there. I feel quite enlightened. But... <laughs> Finch Chinese proverb as we wrap up the yeah. podcast. But I'm going to ask you one or one last question, and that is the one thing that you've learned from being part of the Peer Networks program. So, Mark, can I come to you first? You certainly can, Warren. Um, I think it is that that multiplier effect that, that Finn's just touched on. Um, and what I mean by that is not just the the multiplier of, of getting and transmitting as the, the information to the really most important person who needs it at that time in a, a trusted way, without malice, with all the right intentions. That That's one thing. But the real multiplier for me is when people come away from the peer networks intervention and they go back into whatever the new normal looks like is they've now got tools to think differently and to act differently. And I'll just sum up by one great statement by uh, a cohort member uh, down in Dorset that said, I really enjoy the, the sessions, but one thing you guys don't know is when the sessions are over and I have real business challenges, I think, what would my peer group say? And I follow the process that you've given us to pause, to think, and only then to act. And that, to me, just says it all. Fantastic, Mark. Well, Finn and Ian, that's going to be a follow that, I think. That's a great uh, one thing that you've learned and some great feedback. And I love you know, just that simple sentiment at the end. Brilliant. So, oh, I'm going to have to pick on one of you now. Ian, um, <laughs> please follow that with your one thing that you've learned from being part of the Peer Networks programme, please. For me, it's the value of bringing people together, like-minded business people, but in the right environment. This is not a sales environment. This is not an environment where people have to go in and, and look more impressive than another. It's, it's not a pitch of any kind. And because that's kind of that, that environment is neutralized, if you like. It enables business people to completely be themselves. And, you know, we talked about the importance of that trust and that confidentiality. That is absolutely vital within this program to get people to, to work together in that way. There's lots of other ways that businesses will come together, but actually to see that openness, that transparency, those kind of values, if you like, I think are so important around the program and making sure that we provide that environment. Brilliant. Thank you. And Ian, do you think that's made you stop and think? Um, got a follow up question for you. Sorry. Do you think that's made you stop and think about the way in which Check the Chamber will deliver some of its services and some of its events to its members generally going forward? Yeah, I that you've learned? well, um, there are. It's kind of confirmed what we think a lot of the time. You know, there's no doubt it's confirmed in my mind the value of this type of working. But Warren, we've always tried to make our events they're not big sales platforms of course people want to connect people want to make new relationships but you know the events we've been delivering particularly over the last 12 months i mean our simply networking program 
It's got 80 to 100 people on it every two weeks. And the reason it's there is not because 80 to 100 people want to sell at each other. It's 80 to 100 people want to come together and kind of share experiences and support each other. So for me, it just really underlines the value of that. And I've always been a really strong believer in community. Who wants to walk into a room and think, oh, my God, I've got to sell at 80 people and they're going to sell at me. Horrendous. You know, that's that's not about relationship development at all. You know, people connect, people build relationships and then people do business together. Don't Absolutely. They? Yeah. So, Finn, coming to you for the last kind of response on this podcast. Um, the one thing that you've learned from being part of the Peer Networks programme. I think for me, it's not really about sort of anything new. I've learned. I think it's just underlined a key thing for me, which is about uh, sort of Dorset as a place and the business communities in Dorset, whether that's the the businesses taking part, whether it's the quality of the facilitators and the delivery partners. I think it's really spoken volumes. I think or sort of re reaffirmed how great you know Dorset is as a place to do business. I think. You know, regardless of, you know, whether it's support coming from sort of people delivering programs, sort of, you know, like Marcus sort of joining from a remote location, being able to deliver and engage and connect and sort of see how great those businesses are, whether it's Ian about sort of connecting with the chamber membership yourself, Warren, and all the businesses that you, you support. I think what it's really done is, is sort of given those businesses a platform, a time that they've really needed to get that support and, trying to stick to the point, I suppose it's, like I say, it just sort of leaves you with a really good feeling about Dorset for the future and the business community. And as you say, sort of the what next, the bounce back. And it really sort of fills me with sort of a, a great sense of pride, but also optimism about, you know, some of those big opportunities and challenges that, that we will face in the coming years. So I think, you know, as a, a sort of a, a parting point, it really says that this is a, a really good first step for Dorset in sort of the next chapter of, of sort of the business community. And, you know, I, I sincerely hope that, you know, we, we can deliver peer networks next year and sort of, you know, do it even bigger and better and, uh, yeah, sort of help businesses get more of this type of support. Brilliant, Finn. A great message of positivity there to end with. So, Ian, Finn, Mark, it's been great to have you as guests on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your comments on both the Peer Networks programme, but some ideas on how people can access kind of public sector funding, how they can work more collaboratively together and how they can use technology. So thank you all. Thank you for being guests on the podcast. Thanks, Warren. Thank you. Cheers, guys. If I reflect on that conversation, I think the main thread of that discussion was just how beneficial peer groups and peer networking is in bringing people together and entrenching that sense of community and support even during these times when we're not necessarily able to be in each other's presence physically. Clearly COVID has changed so many things and we've all spent the past year learning to adapt and adopt new ways of working and looking at the world as well as how we interact with each other. I think we've discovered how valuable those interactions can be even when they take place virtually on a screen and how crucial it is that we as business owners and people listen to one another and give support when we can. Peer groups are a core service offered by Evolve and if you do want to register your interest or have a one-to-one discussion about how being part of a peer group working with like-minded business leaders may benefit you then please 
do email us at hello at evolvemembers.com. You can also go to evolvemembers.com to become part of our community, register to receive our weekly insights newsletter, or learn more about the coaching, webinars, events, and other services offered by Evolve. Don't also forget that as lockdown starts to come to an end, if you're looking for a vibrant co-working space, we'd also love to show you around our old schoolhouse in Ashley Cross in Paul. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. And if so, please do help us by rating and reviewing the podcast together with subscribing to future episodes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and stay safe.